I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This episode of the Bearstock Underground is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle-friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 a day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. <laughs> this episode of the Bear Stock Underground is also brought to you by ColorCast. Guys, ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and to use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time, and it's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS uh, app store, create a profile, and link your Twitter and join a group. Follow me at BTU Larry to be I, to be notified when my room goes live, and we'll be going live on ColorCast every Friday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come and join the spiciest takes. Come find the new home for Club 34-7. <laughs> What's up, guys? Back once again, this time reviewing the 2022 NFL Draft, the first of the Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus era a lot of speculation talk or hopes and wishes about what Ryan Poles would do with his very first draft as Bears general manager uh, we didn't really get to learn a lot about Ryan Poles because there wasn't a lot of activity during the offseason uh, the one big free agent we tried to sign was Larry Ogunjobi and we had to rescind that contract because he didn't pass his physical Everybody else we signed is like on a one-year deal or Lucas Patrick. He got a two-year deal uh, out of the Bears and, uh, you know, but nobody's name going to blow your hair back or anything like that. So Bear fans really looking forward to this draft to see who he was going to add to the roster. Uh, what position was he going to try to fill or take care of first in those second round picks? Or would he be trading back to earn more picks? Uh, for the, uh, you know, in day two, more second rounders, maybe an extra third, something like that to uh, be able to, uh, uh, you know, add talent to this, um, you know, hold filled roster uh, that Ryan Pace uh, left behind. Uh, everything was answered uh, on Friday. I think he did the opposite of what people were expecting. Uh, I think people were expecting trade backs in the second and maybe the third round. And instead, he saved all of his trading for day number three, where he took and turned three day three picks into eight three day picks through a bevy of trades. One where he made a trade with the Chargers before the draft even started on Saturday. And then moving back in the draft in the fifth round at least two or three times before finally settling on a pick. I think the Bears were supposed to be picking like in the one the 140s or something 
like that, and we didn't make a pick until 168, almost almost 100 picks removed from where we had last chosen uh, Valus Jones Jr. In, in the third round. So it was an eventful Saturday, one that you thought would be over by the mid, by the early sixth round because we had two fifths and a sixth, and instead we ended with two fifth rounders, two, three sixth rounders, and three seventh rounders to add to the uh, to Jaquan Brisker, um, Kylo Gordon, and uh, Valus Jones, uh, Valus Jones Jr. Uh, from day number two. So uh, to help me bring in and uh, you know analyze some of these picks and and you know give us a little bit more color on who these guys are and and how they may help the team, uh, Eric Lambert from SportsMockery.com will be joining us here in uh, in just a moment. So um, you know. Uh, Really enjoy his his stuff. You can read his stuff on uh, Spot Sports. I cannot talk tonight. Wait till you hear the interview. I was like, I'm fumbling all over the place. I was like, it's one of those things where you know what you want to say. You have all the words in your head. And then when you try to push them out of your face too fast, they run into each other. So that's what you're hearing me do. I'm kind of jacked up on, uh, you know, for some reason. I'm just really wired tonight. And uh, it's uh, making me sound like a goof. Uh, when I try to when I try to talk, you'll hear me stumble and bumble my way through. Not my best interview as far as like being able to speak uh, with Eric, but we got a lot of really good stuff uh, in there. Uh, broke down the players, what he thought of the picks, uh, who he likes in our undrafted free agent class, and uh, we literally have thirty five players in an undrafted class, and I'm not sure how many of those are actual undrafted free agents. And how many of them are tryout players for the upcoming uh, rookie minicamp that's happening this weekend? So uh, I don't know. But there's 35 names in total uh, that will be coming into Hallis Hall uh, this weekend, um, plus the 11 guys that we picked. So we got something, you know, a little bit. I think we're in the mid-40s on the new players that have been added uh, to the Chicago Bears. Some in, some as drafted free agents, some as tryout players. And then we have our draft picks uh, as well. So a lot to sift through. So let's go ahead and get started. This is me and Eric Lambert from SportsMockery.com reviewing the 2022 NFL Draft, the first for our beloved Chicago Bears GM, Ryan Poles. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. out loud Last Thursday, the NFL ascended on to the uh, Las Vegas Trip and uh, turn that place upside down for a few days uh, for the annual NFL uh, draft. It was uh, supposed to be there 2020, the pandemic year, but uh, we all got relegated to our living rooms uh, for that one. But uh, this was obviously a very important draft, the first one of the Ryan Poles uh, era, uh, if you will. He started the day or started the weekend with six picks, no first rounders, uh, two seconds and a third, and then uh, I think what was like two fifths and a sixth or something. Uh, like that, and he somehow, you know, waved his uh, magic wand and rubbed the, the genie lamp to turn six picks into eleven. And instead of only having three picks on day three, we had eight. And here to help us analyze all of those picks and who was the who are the good picks, who are the bad ones, and uh, did we find any gems in our uh, undrafted free agent class from SportsMockery.com? Our good friend Eric Lambert. El- Eric, welcome back, man. Hey, thanks for having me back. Sorry for the long-winded intro. I just kind of got myself going there on the, on that. No one. problem. So uh, we're we're going into this, uh, you know, into this draft. Everybody wants to know what Ryan Poles is is going to do. All the speculation in the world that uh, you know he wants more picks because he said so uh, in his introductory press conference. He would love to have more picks, and uh, you know, so everyone's thinking at least one of the first two rounders he's going to or one of the first two second rounders, he's going to trade back. He's going to, you know, maybe get us an extra third, maybe a fourth round pick that we don't have or something like that. But instead, he kind of shocks everybody, not only by standing firm and making all three of his picks on Friday, but he didn't exactly go the way that we all speculated he would. We figured there's going to be a wide receiver in there. There's going to be an offensive lineman in there. And instead, we get two DBs and a wide receiver that's, that everybody's bitching about him being 25 years old. So what were you thinking after day one for the Bears anyway, day two for everyone else? Right. Um, You know, initially I was a little bit surprised that they went defensive back twice, but when I looked at the board and how it was falling towards the end of the first round, I started to realize, man, it's going to be defensive heavy in the top half of the second because all the offensive guys that, you know, I think 
polls would jump at just isn't going to be there. Right. They've all been taken. And so if he wasn't going to trade down, I felt that at least one of them was definitely going to be a defender. And it was a bit of a surprise that he went defender again, but considering how weak their secondary was last year, and he knows that, going secondary twice with two highly rated prospects in Gordon and Brisker, yeah. I really can't fault him for it because I think they're going to be day one starters, and I think they're great fits for this defense. Well, you know, when I saw the first pick, I don't think I wasn't like overly thrilled that it was a cornerback, but the pick made sense. We definitely needed a counterpart to Jalen Johnson, or at the very least, we needed somebody to shore up that nickel spot. I know he's going to be the other corner, but you know, you never know how how things go uh, in the NFL. But when he made that second pick, my very first thought was, "Oh, he's the best player available guy," because as far yeah. as draft needs or anything like that. We didn't necessarily need a safety. We need all the help we can get everywhere with all the holes on this team. But when he te- when when uh, Sean Evans from the Hot Ones came up there and and you know called out Jaquan Brisker's name, I was like, okay, he's a best player available guy because as far as our needs, that's not really one of them. But he's probably the best player on the board. And the, you know the draft analysts on ESPN, NFL, and NFL Network were like, "This is a great pick for the Bears. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. fill a need, but he is a top-flight football player, and everyone is surprised that he's still here at 48." No question. And you know, it, it's that thing where he he actually said after the draft was over and he did his interviews and went over everything that people were calling him about, you know, moving up to that pick mm-hmm. and he was listening to them, but he saw Brisker there and he just couldn't pass on the talent because he knew not only what Brisker is capable of now, but with some more tweaking from a good staff under Ever- Everflus that he can be a really great player. He's got that level of talent. I mean, a lot of people had him rated as a first round prospect. I remember NFL.com had him as the second best safety mm-hmm. in the entire class. So when somebody like that falls to you at the 48th pick in the second round, I totally understand why he decided not to move down and just make the pick. Well, and I also appreciate the best player available uh, philosophy because maybe you don't necessarily need this guy, but we're a football team that needs talent wherever we can get our hands on it. And putting the best available talent on the football field is always the best way to go. Um, I don't remember who it was that was talking about it that weekend. Um, Maybe it was... um, Oh, for George Dorsey from the Browns was like, yeah, I, got, I got myself into trouble as a GM drafting for need. If I could go back and right. do it again, I would have taken the best player available every single time because I would have been putting my team in a better position to succeed by drafting the best available talent as opposed to drafting the best available guy at the position that I need because that's how you start right. reaching on, on prospects. Exactly. So we go. And, and the thing is, polls is polls. He, he considers Dorsey a mentor, so yeah. he probably listened to those same lessons, which is why he went the way he did. Well, and that was the other thing about when we hired Ryan Poles. Everyone was kind of saying that he's like Ryan Pace in the fact that he's only been with one organization. The difference was uh, Ryan Pace had Mickey Loomis literally the entire time that he was there, as opposed to Ryan Poles, who served under three different general managers uh, in Kansas City, Pioli, uh, Veach, and, and Dorsey, as we refer to earlier so he got a good indication of what to do and probably more importantly what not to do you know with John Dorsey mm-hmm. saying I would if I could go back and do it again I would draft for best player available instead of drafting for need because that's how you start reaching that's how you get yourself into trouble so we go into the third round and we're all thinking oh, it's got to be an offensive lineman here or maybe you know that three technique that we didn't get when Larry Ogunjobi failed his physical or whatever and yet it's the wide receiver we've all been waiting for but not the one I think uh-huh. we all had in mind with, with Valus Jones uh, Jr. Uh, out of Tennessee because almost immediately we're talking about this is a speedster. He's a 4-3 guy. We just replaced uh, Jakeem Grant, but he's almost on the wrong side of 20. He's, got, he's closer to 30 than he is to 20, or at least he will be by the time the season starts. Yeah, I, I understand a lot of people are harping on the age because you, you never like older rookies because – Longevity is always the big question. You like to get guys to have a nice long career for as long as possible. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you're looking at a third-round pick, and I'll put it this way. If you can get maybe five years of solid production out of a third-round pick, I consider that pick a success, Absolutely. no matter what level of production that is. So if the Bears can get that out of Valus Jones, I'll consider that a good pick in my personal you know, appraisal of it. And he's more than anything, he's a good fit. 
Mm-hmm. He's a great fit for this offense. You need somebody who's versatile, who can do a bunch of different things, like a Debo Samuel everyone's comparing him to. But, you know, I don't know if he's going to be Debo, but he's got that kind of game. Yeah. He, he can take handoffs out of the backfield. He can run those bubble screens and take them for, you know, long yardage. And he's really improved his route running over the past year or so while he was at Tennessee, which showed at the Senior Bowl where he also performed well. So he's clearly ascending in terms of his overall game, and he's much more mature than a typical rookie is, which you can also view as somebody who could probably play right away because of that. So I think that's the way the Bears viewed it. He's more mature. He's ready to go right now. He can help us right now, which is why they decided to go with him. Yeah, it uh, it was an interesting pick. And, you know, it's, it, but it also kind of showed, if, you know, obviously you go on, on Bears Twitter because it's such an awesome place sometimes that uh, uh-huh. it's like, as Bear fans, it's like, you know, in general, it's like we'll just never be happy. We got Justin Fields a wide receiver, one that he basically personally endorsed because he and Ryan Pohl spent time watching film on prospects, and that was somebody that Justin Fields put on his list as somebody he'd like to play with. So our general mm-hmm. manager goes out and get a, got, a, got his quarterback – a toy that he wants to play with, and yet everyone's like, ah, who's this guy? He's too old and, you know, all that kind of stuff, despite everything else that's uh, in his favor that got him drafted on Friday night. No question. I mean, the fact that Poles was willing to go above and beyond to at least listen to his quarterback and the types of players he wants to play with, that that means a lot. It's, it establishes a good relationship, which is what you need between the guy at the top and the guy who plays the most important position. And I'm sure Fields saw a lot of, you know, a lot of game and the guys he played with at Ohio State, you know, he's somebody that can run that deep route, which is which field is so great at. He's a great deep ball thrower. And he also probably would like some guys that can take a quick slant for a long game or, or a bubble screen for a long game. So it's take some take some of the pressure off of him having to hang in that pocket and hold on to the football like he had to last year. So I think he had that in mind when he was evaluating Velos. And, you know, he's not wrong because that's something he can absolutely bring to the table. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what these guys can do, especially those those DBs, because now we've got like one of the youngest secondaries in the NFL. When 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 Eddie Jackson is the old man going into year number six, you know you got a lot of youth in that defensive backfield, and and maybe having those guys around Eddie will bring Eddie Jackson back to us uh, finally. So <laughs> that's something that would be very very nice if we could get you know you know action Eddie Jackson back there, uh, you know being the ball hawk that he was in 2017 and 2018 again. So before we all got out of bed on Saturday or on day three, uh, Ryan Poles, and I just think this was such a pimp move on his part, he sold San Diego their draft pick back and got two more from them by giving them the, <laughs> yeah. the 2023 six-rounder we got for Khalil Mack, trading that back to him and getting two of their seventh-round picks this year. That's how the morning started. Then we finally get to the where, where the Bears are picking – and I, th- I think I was watching on ESPN at the time, and I was getting aggravated because they had, like, this little running ticker at the bottom showing, like, who the next 12 picks are. And CHI kept changing. It changed to yeah. Buffalo, then it changed to Cleveland, then it changed to this, and then it changed to that. And then finally, after nearly 100 picks, 98 to be exact, 93, I think, if I'm doing the math right, we went from mm-hmm. 71 to 168 is our next pick. Braxton Jones, we finally get an offensive lineman out of uh, Southern Utah, a, a school that I'm uh, familiar with because uh, my alma mater, Western Illinois, played him in football a few years uh, in a row while I was – I've actually been to Southern Utah. Beautiful campus. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it has all the mountains and everything out there. It's a beautiful place. But Braxton Jones is that first uh, offensive line, and he's the first of four that uh, Poles took because all of that finagling he did with the picks – Got us, got us from three to eight on uh, on day three. We had two fifth rounders, three sixths, and three sevenths. By the time it was all done, and um, you know Ryan Poles could have basically put together a brand new offensive line with the picks that he made on Saturday. No, no question. I mean, I was I was so shocked by what sort of transpired because I haven't seen a GM do this for Chicago in over a decade. Yeah. The last time I remember it happening was with Jerry Angelo right. in the mid two thousands. He sort of liked to do the same thing. And then for some reason he stopped doing it. I, I never figured out why because it's a philosophy that I personally embrace. I, I'm of the belief that if you have more swings in the draft, the higher the likelihood you'll have of hitting on somebody. Right. And that was what frustrated me with Ryan Pace so much because 
he was so good at picking in the later rounds, that fourth round, fifth round range. He would find quality talent, but he refused to acquire more of those types of picks. And so when Poles, in his very first draft, trades down and turns three picks into eight, I'm just yeah. like, wow, this guy is completely different from the last guy who was in charge. And I think it was the right approach because he didn't have a first-round pick and because he couldn't be guaranteed in terms of quality. It's like, okay, well, I'll just take it a different direction and go with qu- with quantity. Mm-hmm. And doing it that way, sort of loading up certain positions that needed more depth, needed more help, I think it was the right approach because he trusts his coaching staff to coach some of these talented kids up who just might need more development. Yeah, it's it's promising to see. I mean, I was listening to... Uh, Hogan Johns and they brought up like the 20 I think it was either the 2015 I th- actually I think it was the 2016 draft like the mm-hmm. the last draft where Ryan Pace had more than seven picks and he took three DBs on day three one was uh, DeAndre Hall uh, another one was DeAndre Houston Carson and the other was Dion Bush you know he took mm-hmm. three whacks at the safety position and he basically nailed two of them because Deion yeah. Bush was on the team until he signed a free agent deal with Kansas City this year. DeAndre Houston Carson is still on the team. And DeAndre Hall, we actually got a draft pick for him because we traded him away because he never found his way onto the field. So we basically got something for everybody or we got something out of everyone. And we're still getting something out of DeAndre Houston Carson, who I think until Jaquan Brisker uh, got drafted was somebody that was probably going to get a lot of playing time this year. Instead, he'll probably be our Sherrick McManus and, and play more on special teams. No question. I mean, and, you know, it's it's the funniest thing. If you look back, I was, I'm talking specifically about what they did with the offensive line, drafting yeah, four guys. Sure. I looked back at recent Bears history. If you go back to 1989 and 1983, the Bears, those are the last two times the Bears took four offensive linemen each in the draft. And each time they found at least one starter for their line both times. Good starters, not just, you know, regular starters. Good good players. Uh, Jim Flanagan in 1989, he played 11 years in the NFL, was a really good center for them. And then in 83, you get Jimbo Covert, you get Tom Thayer, you get Mark Bortz. I mean, when you take multiple cracks at a position and you get a little bit of luck on your side, it, it can really work out well for you. And with a guy like Ryan Poles, who's a former offensive with a guy like Ian Cunningham, the assistant GM, who's also a former offensive lineman, it gives you a lot of confidence that they were willing to take these cracks. Yes, it was later in the draft, but they have the types of eyes you want at that point in the draft when it comes to the offensive line. So I thought it was actually a pretty smart tactic on their part to sort of you know, go with quantity, let's get a bunch of guys who have physical upside, and then we'll get the right people around them to coach them up. So I, I really agree with the way they approached it. Yeah, and he also has a track record of hitting on these late offensive linemen or at least having a hand in it coming from Kansas City. Their most recent success case being Creed Humphrey, who they drafted in the sixth round, I think, in 2020. He was one of the guys. Trey Smith, not not Creed Humphrey. Who was Creed Humphrey? He was a center, right? Uh, Second round. Was he a second round? Okay. Trey Smith, that's who it was. I'm sorry. You're right, yeah. though, but he He's was somebody I really wanted. I was so upset when the Chiefs got him. Yeah, but he was like a six-round pick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was somebody that was a starter for them, contributed uh, very well, and he, he that wasn't the only time that, that happened during Ryan Poles' time uh, in Kansas City. So he has some experience with taking these day three guys that have you know good qualities or they have the you know like some of the traits that they're looking at, but have some work to do. And, you know, being able to uh, polish them up and get them ready to, um, you know, at the very least, we got depth. We've got competition in the room, which is, you know, a, 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 the what's the sea, the tide, the water that the raises all boats or whatever. I can't think of this that phrase. Yeah, right. There you go. Boats. The rising tide raises all boats. So all the competition is, is going to be a good thing. You know, the best, the cream always rises. So we'll see how that all sure. uh, shakes out. And then when I was looking at your um, like your review column uh, the other day, check it out on uh, Sports Mockery. Um, your your grades for the uh, for the picks you give A's both to Kyler Gordon and Jacon Brisker. The seed of Tavales Jones, I'm guessing that's more the age thing than than anything else. Yeah. Okay. More than anything, you know, it's one of those things where I. I had a person. I had some personal preferences at wide receiver that they passed on, which right. is why I gave it a low grade because I felt those guys in the long run might have been better picks. But you know, I still think in terms of talent, it was you know a solid pick. But that's why I gave it a C because they passed up on younger talents that I thought were better. Sure. 
Uh, you gave a B to the Braxton Jones pick. And then this is one that's been getting a lot of hay is the second, fifth rounder, Dominique Robinson, the defensive end mm-hmm. from Miami, who's basically Brandon Marshall playing defensive end, 6'5", 240, 250 pounds, a converted wide receiver playing defensive end. And I've heard tight ends playing defensive end, but a wide receiver, that's a new one on me. Oh, no question. He's at, it's been such an impressive turn for him because he was a wide receiver in 2019. On an, just on an off chance during practice, his coaches asked him to move to defensive end for a few snaps. He played well, and they basically said, you want to stay there? And since he wasn't getting much playing time, he's like, yeah, I'll stay here. Has, you know, a, a, a minor season in 2020, and then all of a sudden he becomes one of their best pass rushers in 2021. I mean, for him to make that quick of a transition at a really difficult position to learn mm-hmm. speaks to how talented he is and how quickly he can learn, which is why I think getting him in the fifth round is going to end up being a big steal for the Bears if he continues to progress at that rate because his talent is unquestionable. He's got quickness, he's got strength, he's got length. And when you put him under somebody like Eberflus, who's developed some pretty good pass rushers over the years, you know it's a great it's a great combination. And I think maybe not this year, but in a year or two, he's going to be a big contributor for them. Yeah, I mean, if if he can become more of a long term starter, that would be great. But maybe if he could be this year's Mark Anderson, that would be pretty great sure. too. Remember 06, Mark Anderson I mean, that was a rookie. Yeah, you, you know, threw him on the field every once in a while. He led the team in sacks with with 12, and he led the, a pretty impressive defense uh, as well. It's like of all the guys on that team, you wouldn't think Mark Anderson would be the leading sacker on that Super Bowl, uh, you know, uh, Super Bowl team uh, that year. So uh, then we go into the sixth round. You like the Zach Thomas pick, the guard from San Diego, or he played tackle at San Diego State, but he's most likely going to be a guard he's at the pro level. Guard, yeah, right. really gave that one a B. C-plus for uh, Tristan Ebner, the running back out of Baylor. Why is that? Uh, basically, he's a good receiver out of the backfield, so I think they're going to try and exploit that. He's got some kick return prowess, so I imagine they'll sort of factor him there as well. But my my only issue with him is as a traditional running back, he ha- he wasn't really all that special. You know, he would go down with first tackle attempts. He didn't break a lot of tackles in that regard. He's not he doesn't come across as a really effective runner, at least to me. But in terms of his versatility as a returner and as a receiver out of the backfield, I, he's that perfect sort of change of pace type of back that they can take take advantage of on long third downs and the like. So I understood the pick, but in terms of his overall game, I felt it was not quite where I would have preferred it with some other options. Okay, The uh, third and final six-rounder, Doug Kramer, center out of Illinois, a local guy, uh, gave that one a B, so you like that pick. Then Jatire Carter guard out of Southern, so a small school kid, uh, but you gave that one an A, so you really like that pick. I do. I, you know, I, I watched him at the Senior Bowl. I understood he was coming out of a small school, so you're going up against better competition, and for him to really hold his own and, you know, give back quite a bit against some of these quality defensive linemen he was facing at the Senior Bowl, I came away really impressed, so I went back and watched some of his tape, and he's a really good pass protector, and, you know, he was playing tackle, you know, in college. But if they can, move, if they do move him inside, which I think they will, I think it's a it's going to be a perfect fit for him. And once he learns to, you know, tone out his body, fine tune his craft in terms of his hand placement and whatnot, I think he can definitely be a starter on this football team and be a good player. And then our last two picks, um, uh, Elijah Hicks, the the DB out of uh, University of California. And then we went with a punter with the last pick. Those were the picks we got from the Chargers, 255 and 254. Trenton Gill, punter out of NC State, who is uh, a huge punter, 6'5", 220 or something like that. Not a small guy uh, at all. And then it was, uh, I think it was Elijah Hicks that dazzled the the beat writers uh, in Hallis Hall when he had his uh, Zoom call with them. Uh, I saw his... um, like what's up bear fans video on uh on instagram or whatever and uh i can see what they like this guy's a character 100 oh, yeah. he's gonna bring a lot of electricity and a lot of excitement uh to the team he and he also seems like one of those happy to be here guys so he's just he's gonna give it his all if he makes it great if he doesn't then what an experience i had kind of thing no question and i really like hicks not just because of his personality which seems to be that infectious you know enthusiastic type which you always love to see 
but also because if you watch him at Cal, he's a good player. I mean, he played pretty well, especially last season where he had three interceptions, four forced fumbles. And, you know, when you see that kind of production, it really stands out to you. He's that, you know, take the ball away type of guy that Matt Eberflus really wants on his defense. And I think he would have gone higher in the draft if he hadn't gotten hurt at the worst possible time during practices at the East-West Shrine game. That that made it impossible for him for him to participate in the Senior Bowl, which he probably would have if he had been able to complete that. And then he wasn't able to participate in his pro day. And I think that really tanked his stock. So to get him... In the seventh round, when he probably could have been a fifth or even fourth rounder if he had performed up to his you know, expectations, you really got some value there because I think he's a great fit for this defense. He's a great personality, team-first type of guy, good instincts, good athleticism, decent enough size. You know, I think he's got a chance. This episode of the Bearstock Underground is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle-friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 a day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. <laughs> this episode of the Bear Stock Underground is also brought to you by ColorCast. Guys, ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and to use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time, and it's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS uh, app store, create a profile, and link your Twitter and join a group. Follow me at BTU Larry to be I, to be notified when my room goes live, and we'll be going live on ColorCast every Friday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come and join the spiciest takes. Come find the new home for Club 34-7. <laughs> All right, so that's our, our – uh, What did you give an overall grade, or were you just grading the players? I don't remember. I was I just grading it. the players. Okay. So now we move on to um, – our undrafted uh, free agent uh, class. And uh, I hope you got a minute because there's about 70 of them. Um, <laughs> you know, we did have like 30 roster spots to fill to uh, to get a 90-guy uh, 90 uh, roster put together for for training camp. I mean, we're, I'm, I'm not, obviously not going to make you go through all of them. But, you know, I have somewhat of a personal connection to one of our defensive linemen, Micah Dude Treadway. Uh, I went to school with his stepdad, um, you know, from middle school all the way through – uh, high school, so I and uh, my sister is his biological dad's one of his best friends, so or one of her best friends, and so we we've known this kid and watched him, followed him to Notre Dame, and then he went to Minnesota. He's Valus Jones Jr. on the defensive side because he was in school for he did four full years and graduated from Notre Dame, and then he did a couple of graduate seasons at the University of uh, Minnesota, and I think he was actually there for three years because of COVID. So he's been in college for mm-hmm. quite some time. So he is in his mid to late 20s uh, coming in as a, a rookie, probably one of the reasons he didn't get taken uh, in the draft. No doubt. And the fact that he was one of the few defensive linemen they actually added might actually give him a decent shot for you know making some noise on the roster. So he's somebody you should absolutely be cheering for. Great underdog story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we only brought – like I'm looking at the, the, the list that didn't say which one of these guys was – which one of these guys were undrafted free agents and which ones were here for tryouts. They just, the list that I found broke it up by position. We had one quarterback, mm-hmm. two running backs, and then everything else is at least three or four uh, the rest of the way down. We signed five or six wide receivers. Anybody in that bunch that you uh, are a fan of? 
Uh, yes, actually. Uh, one thing I always, when looking at undrafted free agents I like to do is just check out their production. If it, if it stands out in any specific way, in a good way, that tells me that they may have actually have a better-than-average shot of making it. And one kid that stood out to me was Savon Scarver out of Utah State. Okay. Not necessarily because of his receiver production, but because of his kick return production. Mm. He scored seven kick return touchdowns. Nice. And that just that just blew me away. Like, holy cow. I mean, if you get maybe two or three kick return touchdowns, that's great. But, you know, it's common production that you can see in college. But seven? Yeah. That tells me that, you know, he's somebody who's really effective with the ball in his hand. So I, he's definitely somebody I would be keeping my eye on in terms of the re- receiver group. And the other one was Henry Litwin out of Slippery Rock. He stood out to me because I think I forget the exact number, but he had something like something ridiculous, like thirty or forty touchdown catches in his final two seasons for Slippery Rock. And I know it's a it's you know lower competition and all that, but even against that, even against lower competition, that's still really impressive production. So that's something I always look at in terms of they always say with with like FCS or Division Two, if you played in those levels. You have to dominate that level of competition to get right. to get noticed by the NFL, and those two and Litwin stood out in that regard. He absolutely dominated people when he was at Slippery Rock. So that's somebody else I would sort of be watching in this huge wide receiver competition they're going to have. Then we got three tight ends: Chase Allen from Iowa State, Johnny Huntley from Liberty, Jake is it Tongues or Tongues from Cal? Great uh, question. I'm not entirely sure about that yeah. one. So I just you, say Tongues, but I don't know if that's right. Yeah, why not? Uh, we even added a few more offensive linemen uh, to the mix. Um, Micah, is, Micah Dutredway is one of five or six defensive linemen. The Bears invited any any of these uh, any other gems because I think the list is at, like literally no no exaggeration. There's like 35 names uh, on this. Oh list. no question. I mean they went all out. This has to be maybe the largest undrafted class I've ever seen because I don't recall one that was even that was bigger. But. Yeah. Uh, a couple that stood out to me just, you know, after doing some research was uh, the Florida offensive lineman, John DeLance. Mm. You know, I watched some of his tape. He, he, he's he got some talent. There's athletic ability there. He's got decent size. And I recall, you know, NFL experts rated him as sort of a fourth or fifth type talent in the draft. And for whatever reason, I'm not entirely sure. He just didn't get drafted. So, you know, you get somebody like that into the mix, you know, he can make some noise if he plays pretty well early on. So that's somebody I'd be keeping an eye on. Um, a lot of people are talking about Chase Allen, that kid, that tight end yeah. from Iowa State. You know, he's not the fastest guy, but he's got decent enough athleticism. He can move well enough. And he's 6'7", with great long arms and, you know, really soft hands to make those tough catches. So that's another guy you probably want to keep an eye on. And um, uh, who was the other one? Who was the other one? Um, give me a second here. I'm kind of running through the list. Well, I mean, it's just oh, like Jack Sanborn. Jack, Jack Sanborn, Sanborn out of Wisconsin, the, yeah. the uh, linebacker. He probably fell because of it because of his athletic limitations. You know, he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not known for his quickness and whatnot, which is a big you know a big thing you need in today's NFL. But he's sure. very instinctive, great leader, tough as nails. He's always around the football, so. Those are the types of guys you really like to have on your roster who can be that overachiever type, that guy who comes in sort of humble beginnings, but for one reason or another, he just sort of finds his way into the playing rotation. He seems like he's going to be that type of guy, and especially as the Bears sort of transition to a new type of linebacker group where they need more than they more of that inside linebacker, off-the-ball type linebacker type, mm-hmm. he absolutely has a chance to crack the roster. Yeah, yeah, interesting to see. How many, um, how many Bryce Callahans or Cravon LeBlancs we have in this uh, this group here? Guys that that went undrafted became uh, but became contributors and and starters, um, you know, for the Bears. And uh, you know, like we were talking about earlier with with uh, Poles turning six picks into eleven and uh, and everything. The more swings you get, the more chances you have to uh, to hit on some of these guys. And you know, Ryan Pace, unfortunately. Left the cupboard pretty bare. We we didn't have much ca- salary cap room to work with. We had way too many holes on the roster to fill, and we had roster spots in general that we had to fill. Mm-hmm. Ryan Poles took over a, a roster that only had like forty seven people uh, on it. When you have to have ninety uh, day one of uh, training camp, so he basically had to build half of a roster uh, and put that together. 
while trying to pay some people, keep others, and uh, and all the rest of that. So he had a Herculean task in front of him, and obviously it hasn't been a very eventful uh, offseason for the Bears since Brian Poles and Matt Eberflus were hired because of those things. But the draft was certainly interesting. It was fun watching Ryan Poles work and turn those three day three picks into eight other picks and you know adding some more bodies to the to the roster giving us a better chance uh to hit um because i i was i saw uh somebody posting on one of the groups in in facebook um comparing the bears to the packers in the way that the bears only had six picks and the packers had i think 10 or 11 and that included two first rounders and two second rounders because of the um uh, Devontae Adams uh, trade. And it's like, right. how are we supposed to close the gap here? And my response was, we just have to draft better and hit on more of our picks than they hit on theirs. And so that was before, you know, Ryan Poles waved his wand over it and turned six picks into uh, 11. Now our odds of hitting are just as good as theirs. Exactly. I mean, it was the reason the Bears were better than the Packers for certain sections of the 2000s was because they drafted well. Yeah. They had st- finally started to string some good drafts together in 2003, 2004, and they got they got some great picks in 2005 and 6. And once those started to sort of pile up, everything culminated in that Super Bowl run in 06. When you get Devin Hester in 06, you get Tommy Harris in 04, you get Briggs and Tillman in 03. That's what you got to do. You got to sort of stack good drafts together, and that's the problem the Bears have had. They might have a good draft one year, and then they sort of, you know, do you know do something me- mediocre or even bad over the next draft or so. So they would get good players here and there, but they weren't able to stack good classes. And I think that's that was the failure of Phil Emery and Ryan Pace. And I think a, b- a big part of the problem was they weren't giving themselves enough leeway. They weren't giving themselves enough picks. They mm-hmm. usually have six, seven, or eight picks max. Yeah. with each draft, and I and I don't think that's going to be the case with Poles. I think he's going to be one of those guys who wants to go in with about nine or ten picks at least every draft and sort of have some good flexibility if you want to move down to acquire more, great, or you can have some nice ammunition to move up and grab somebody you know, in the second, third, fourth round, whatever it is. So I think that's sort of the way he wants to operate. He wants, his, he wants homegrown talent. He yes. said those words. He wants to build his own homegrown team, and I absolutely respect that because that's how most teams need to win in this league. Yeah, the only problem that I have with that is that, and I quoted this from him year after year, was Ryan Pace said that too. His his quote Uh was, um, right now the, the Green Bay Packers have 47 players on their roster. All but one has only ever been a Green Bay Packer, and that one person at the time was Julius Peppers. He was the only one who hadn't been a Packer for his entire career. He's like, that's what I'm trying to build here in Chicago is that I would like to look, you know, say at this time at the end of a year, uh, we've got, you know, 65 guys on the roster and 60 of them have only ever been Chicago Bears. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to put that together, and that's why he's in Atlanta re-signing all of his old Chicago Bear coaches and players uh, down there. But... uh, you know, joining Phil Emery down. I guess that's where GMs go to die from Chicago. They go I to Atlanta. Suppose, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it was um, something tells me that Ryan Poles is actually going to stick to it for better or for worse. I think that he really is uh, going to do that because not only did he watch it happen in Kansas City, but he also fell victim to another organization that did the same thing year after year, and that's New England. Belichick mm-hmm. was always wheeling and dealing, adding picks. Always has ten, twelve picks in every single draft and you wonder how it is that new england just keeps reloading it's like well because they had 12 picks and they hit on six you know that kind of thing year after year and they're kind of like the bears where they never really make much noise with that first or second round pick but they always seem to find that guy third fourth fifth round that comes out of nowhere and that's tom brady's new favorite receiver or you know there's that offensive lineman that they needed you know to plug into the the lineup and, and do things with so, uh, you know, I think based on personal experience in Kansas City and also watching from the outside looking in with New England doing it year after year, he'd probably be more prone to do what he did this year. And let's trade back. Let's get some more picks. Let's add some more guys and uh, give ourselves some more chances to uh, get some players out of this bunch. You have to remember with Ryan Poles is he's a college scout at heart. Yeah. I think that's key here. He believes 
from from his own experience that you build through the draft. Whereas Ryan Pace, he was a pro scout. Yeah. So he was much more one of those guys who was willing to do aggressive trades for veterans, willing to sign you know expensive free agents because that was his area of expertise. So by getting a guy like Poles into the mix, he's going to bring that mentality of I want to build through the college ranks where that's my area of expertise. And you know, we we've already seen it. He had five picks, five picks at the start of this offseason, and he ended up with eleven. Mm-hmm. All he, and he only traded one player in order to get order to get there, and it was right. Khalil Mack. Now, losing Khalil Mack was tough, but he was older, he was expensive, and you know he probably wasn't going to be around by the next time the Bears were going to be competitive. So moving on from him now made sense. Yeah, you got a decent second round pick, a future six, and you turn that sixth into two sevens later on. Mm-hmm. So that's just good business movement when you're trying to sort of retool a roster that's old and you know lacking depth and all sort of those things. I don't think the Bears are going to be competitive this year, but I think towards the end of this year they'll start to look better than they'll probably start. And then once you get into 2023 when they got a ton of cap space, they can do a little more spending. They'll have a full slate of draft picks with a first rounder. And then we'll really start to see the vision that Ryan Poles has for this team. Yeah, and I, I'm definitely, um, you know, looking forward uh, to that. And I would say that, that I, I don't know if we're going to be I, – I don't think we'll be competitive in terms of wins and losses, but I think we'll be more competitive on the field to where it's not going to be like we're all waiting to shoot ourselves to get this game over with kind of thing. Like right. I was trying to watch, you know, Nagy constantly try to fill the square peg in the round hole with his offense uh, and everything. So um, – Hopefully, you know, as far as the offense goes, even though we didn't load it up with talent uh, or whatever, or at least that didn't gather up the names that most Bear fans would have liked to uh, see, I've, I really do feel like, you know, right now, all due respect to the coach, but Nagy is addition by subtraction as far as the offense goes. So, And I think the, I think the Bears' management feels the same way. I yeah. think they feel the offense's struggles last year weren't just about talent. Coaching was a big part of it. The, the mm-hmm. system seemed always disjointed. They they always lacked an identity. All those things. So, if you can give them a stable system, it doesn't have to be you know crazy innovative or all that sort of stuff. It just has to be effective. Right. It has to be something that they can run and they know what they're running every single week. They can understand the game plans and what they're trying to do every single week. And once you can do that for players, they start to play faster. They t- they start to play smarter. And I think the Bears have, have enough talent on offense to be maybe not great, but at least middle of the pack and not god-awful like they've been the past couple of years. And I think that's a very achievable goal for them right now. Yeah, because one of my favorite things was week after week watching Nagy call a timeout because we were running low on the play clock and then come in and right. have some kind of illegal procedure penalty or somebody lined up wrong or or something like it. it never failed. Anytime Nagy had to call an unnecessary timeout because we were about to be delay of game, there was always a penalty that followed on the very next play. It was like the incompetency that was shown week after week, and this is year three and year four in the system. This stuff isn't supposed to be happening, and it's happening exactly. all the time. Happening all the time. Yeah. So um, it was something that Olin Crute said, and this was after we lost that home game to Detroit in 2020. That, that was the sixth loss where everybody thought – Pace and Nagy were going to be fired uh, after that Lions loss to make six in a row. Uh, Olin Krutz came on like the football after show, and he said, I don't think Matt Nagy is so much interested in winning as he is in winning his way. And yeah. everything Great way to- everything that, that Nagy did after basically supported what Olin said. Like, I think he just hit it on the head uh, with that thought because nothing else made sense after, after Olin, Olin said that. It's like, why would you do this unless – it was about doing it your way as opposed to doing what was right. Like It took him four years to finally succumb to letting David Montgomery have the ball and run and see what we can do with the running game instead of trying to you know, turn more, you know, Darnell Mooney into Tyreek Hill or something like that and just have our big explosive plays where we're leaving poor Justin Fields or you know, even worse, poor Nick Foles in the back by himself where he's got cement shoes back there trying to dodge uh, pass rushers. It was just... Uh, an ugly, ugly thing, and I, and I look forward to what Getsy and company are going to put on the field uh, this year. 
No question. I mean, you know, Justin really looked like he was lost through those first few games last year, and yeah. you can understand why. When you looked at the way they executed the offense, they didn't change anything. It was the offense, it was the same exact thing they were running with Andy Dalton, mm -hmm. despite knowing that Dalton's a veteran, he can read the field much quicker than a rookie usually can, and all of a sudden they're putting Justin behind a five-man protection against a defense that has pretty good pass rushers, and he's running for his life and taking hit after hit after hit. He got sacked 36 times in 12 games, Jesus. 58 sacks overall allowed by the Bears' offensive line, so... You know, the offensive line itself wasn't all that talented. They had some holes, sure. but the coaching just made it 10 times worse yeah. from some of the stuff that we're calling. So I think the Bears, with this new offense under Getzi, are going to be much more committed to the run game. I, I think, you know, with Montgomery and uh, Herbert and those guys, I think they're going to want to run the ball consistently and use a lot of play action with bootlegs and all that sort of stuff to take advantage of what Justin Fields does best. Yeah. And that's what Matt Nagy should have done from the start, but he stubbornly refused to. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I went on a tirade after that Lions game back in 2020 because I had my thoughts and opinions on what happened, and then on Monday I'm listening to Hogan Johns. I'm listening to Crutes on the after show. I'm, I'm reading your articles and, you know, other like Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears, you know, listening to him. And we all were of, of asking the same questions. Number one, why was Mitch throwing on third and long in his own end zone at the end of the game that – he got strip-sacked, and that's where the game-winning touchdown was from. Why do we keep taking David Montgomery off to the field? And the more like those questions were coming, it's like, this is what I was saying on my show, and I just got more and more angry because if it's so obvious to so many people, from me, the fat guy on the couch, all the way up to the former uh, you know, all-pro that's got skin in the game and knows exactly what he's talking about, we're all in agreement. No matter what level of experience you have, how is the head coach – missing this just completely and that's when he said the whole win his way as opposed to just winning and that's like that that makes all the sense in the world nothing else makes sense about Nagy he's more concerned about doing it his way than he has about getting it done right so and that's mm -hmm. why he's the quarterback coach for the Kansas City Chiefs and not the head coach of the Chicago Bears so that's how it goes unfortunately yeah, a lot of coaches are like that you know they see it work a specific way and they think if they run it that same specific way yeah it'll work for them too it's you know it seems so logical but that's just not how it works certain other teams don't have the right personnel they don't have the right assistant coaches to help sort of it flow or you just you're you're just not as smart as the original coach who was running that system right. in this case Matt Nagy is not Andy Reid right <laughs> so he didn't have the chops to make it work and when he tried to stubbornly force feed that system to his players it blew up in his face and he was lucky to have lasted as long as he did yeah yes um the the Caskies were generous with that fourth year in 2021. We all knew what was going to happen, and it happened anyway. But they gave him that yep. extra year, and the only thing we got out of it was uh, a, a record-setting season from uh, Robert Quinn and uh, Justin Fields. So I don't know if I'd do it again, but, uh, you know, we got what we got, but, and here we are now. So hopefully brighter days mm -hmm. uh, are ahead for us uh, tortured uh, Bear fans who've had to go no through this, this last three seasons. So, Eric, thanks so much uh, for jumping on and uh, helping us uh, dig our way through the now 40-plus new players that we've added to the roster uh, last weekend. Uh, look forward to having you on uh, again somewhere in the, uh, in the future. And uh, where can we keep up with you in the meantime? You can keep up with me at sportsmockery.com. My articles are posted there every day. And at Eric Lambert1 on Twitter, I'm on there all the time. So feel free to talk football with me. All right. Eric Lambert, Sports Mockery, helping us out with the 2022 draft. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org 
or open Instagram and type in sports drink spelled like sports drink, but without the vowels. So S P R T S D R N K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. <laughs> you see what I tell you? What, when I'm, when I'm trying to, when I got all these things that I want to say in my head and I try to push them all out at once, the words just start running together on you. <laughs> it's like, Hey D, what were you smoking before? It's like, I, you know, fortunately, I don't do that. So it's just me being, being dummy. That's all. So I need to slow down, think about what I'm going to say before I say it. Instead of just like, blah, 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 you know, and this word vomit comes flying out of my mouth. But great stuff from uh, from Eric Lambert. And like I said, look forward to having him back on the show as soon as we possibly can. Manufacture a reason to bring him uh, to bring him back. So, um, you know, I think that's it for me, guys. Uh, that is going to do it. Um, Let's see, today is Thursday, or at least it will be by the time you guys are listening to it. Uh, I am going to go and see uh, Doctor Strange and the uh, Multiverse of Madness. Uh, My mother is coming into town to visit for Mother's Day, so I'm going to take her out to dinner. And uh, Mom and I are big Ozark fans, so we're going to sit down and binge Ozark. I have been blissfully avoiding spoilers and such like that, so nothing has been ruined for me uh, yet. So... uh, by the time most of you are listening to this, I'm sure she and I will have plowed through uh, most, if not all, of the remaining seven episodes. So, But uh, be sure to hug your mom, call your mom, tell her you love her. You know she deserves it. And um, be on the lookout for the uh, next episode, which will be, some, which will be at the very least, will be next week. Because next Thursday, we get the 2022 NFL schedule. So we'll be doing a NFL uh, schedule review episode either next Friday, next Saturday at the latest to break down uh, the Bears path through 2022 and because uh, we know the who and the where, but we don't know the when. So how many how many games will the Bears get on national TV? Will they get many? Will, the, will we play San, well, San Francisco? Well, we do play San Francisco again. They're a same place opponent again. But, you know, do we play Detroit on Thanksgiving again? Do we play Minnesota to finish out the season in Minnesota uh, again? All of those questions will be answered next Thursday night when the NFL releases the schedule. And that's the next show that you can count on when uh, we come in back to uh, break down the schedule and what it will be. So otherwise, follow me on the socials at BTU underscore Larry on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can also find me at the Bears Talk Underground Facebook group as well. Come and join us and get in on the conversation. So that's going to do it until next week with the NFL schedule review episode and until then my name is larry d and this has been the bears talk underground there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. 
Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships. The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.